The text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which you heard a little bit ago. Grace, peace to you, and mercy. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is kind of a theme that goes on through the scriptures. This theme of barrenness. A couple weeks ago in our service, it was the first Advent service of the, the series that we're doing. Um, we heard from the story of Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah, well, Abraham was almost 100 years old. Sarah was almost 90 and they were still without a child. And so Sarah was without doubt labeled as being barren. Our Old Testament reading for this day, we heard from Hannah, or heard the prayer of Hannah, which if you could, in case you didn't notice, is kind of um, is echoed in that wonderful song of the Magnificat which you can see right here on your screen. These verses, beginning of verse 46, the Song of Mary. But Hannah was also one who was barren. She longed um, for a child, but she didn't have it. And then we have Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth was of old age herself. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how old, but we'd guess probably in her 50s or 60s, probably not as old as Sarah, but definitely up there in years, enough for her to be labeled as barren. Now, the first cent in the Jewish culture, um, having children was incredibly important because you had to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. The very first promise that God, or the very first command that God gave to man and woman was be fruitful and multiply. And so having children, the raising and rearing of children was so incredibly important for people of that culture. And to not have that child to not become pregnant, meant you were a person of reproach. You felt like there's something you did wrong. What have they, what have I done, one might think, to not be able to have this child, to not be able to fulfill this commandment to be fruitful and multiply? What am I doing wrong? Maybe it's a sin that I committed. You might know what that's like to where your familial relations your family relations are not quite what you've seen they should be perhaps you're in a situation like myself where you're single and you're trying to just you're, you're hoping that you just find that someone that that girl or guy or whatever and so that you're worried about you think about that much less having a child the be fruitful and multiply command feels so far away because it can't even get to the, the spousal requirement to, to make that happen. Or maybe you're 
you've been married. You are married. And maybe you've been married for a few years. That child just hasn't come. Maybe you are experiencing the barrenness that Mary or that Elizabeth or Sarah or Hannah experienced. Or maybe you've had children. And maybe they died in infancy. Maybe it was a miscarriage. And you felt the sting of that loss. The sting, the promise was within your grasp. The hope of a child and raising that child. Passing on your name, passing on your lineage, whatever. It was within grasp and then something happened. Or maybe it is that you've got that the child is growing, but your own family seems to be chaos. Maybe there's conflict between you and your children. Maybe there's conflict between you and your spouse. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you're separated. Or maybe you're, maybe a spouse has passed away and it doesn't feel, the family doesn't feel like it, the family it should be. You kind of get this idea, this feeling lost in these families. And I know we want to convey, and the thing is, is we like to look at others and compare ourselves to others. I think of this in this um, approaching Christmas celebration. Now, the meaning of Christmas, it's not being with what your loved ones, it's not being with your family or friends or whatever. But that's what's sold. That's what Hallmark tells you. That's what most of the movies are about. Now those are good things. But that's not the central message of Christmas. And the fact that we have allowed it to become the central message of Christmas. Has ruined Christmas. Or has made it weakened. And where it gets weakened is that. Like I said. You're going you're gonna to gather for Christmas and you've been convinced that this is all about your experience with your family. And you're going to, it's not quite what it means, seems it sh is, it's not what it seems it should be. You know, you can't help but think of the Christmas Vacation movie. I mean, he was, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, Clark Griswold is obsessed with having the perfect, good old-fashioned family Griswold Christmas. He's obsessed with it. And chaos ensues. Because that is in our mind. That we think it's got to be a certain way. And we look, and perhaps we might even look at other people. We might look in the window and think that they've got the perfect lot, perfect Christmas. They have the perfect family situation. Why don't I? But the reality is, is they're probably not so perfect. They have flaws. You just don't see it we are the theme for today is rejoicing the theme for today is this week is joy this past sunday was the day that we lit the rose candle or pink candle the candle that symbolizes rejoicing or joy but joy just doesn't seem very easy to come by especially when you consider things like this this past weekend, as many of you know, I was on. I took a little short miniature vacation, if you will. Um, I made a trip to um, Chicago for um, the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, so C2E2, a huge 
comic book convention, which, if you, in case you don't know, means you I did a lot of walking. According to my watch, um, I put in about 12,000 steps a day. Um, got to meet people like John Cena, Hayden Christensen, who plays Darth, plays Anakin Skywalker in the Star Wars movies. Um, it was a really fun weekend, and on uh, Sunday morning, uh, I made it a point to go to church. I was going to make it a point to go to church, and so I woke up early, uh, drove around Chicago, uh, downtown Chicago, because there was hardly any traffic at the time, so like looking at the huge buildings, the driving along um, Lakeshore Drive it was a beautiful drive. It was such a nice morning. Even made a quick stop to check out um, the Home Alone house. And but before I went to church, a circumstance arose that doesn't have to do with being a pastor. But there's a circumstance that arose that just all of a sudden put me in a very sour mood and so i went into church and i know i had to go to church because now that that's also weird to hear from a pastor but i'm going to tell you being as a pastor going to church is a really challenging thing when it's your day off because most whenever you're on if you're not on a vacation when you're not on vacation you don't really have an option about going to church. I mean, you technically do, but it's not a really good option. It's not a really good choice. And so when you go on vacation, when you're, you have your time off, you have a Sunday off, you have that opportunity on a Sunday morning to sleep until 10 or 11. And that only the only way that ever happens otherwise is if you have a snowstorm, you know, or something. And it's like a, it's a very obvious blizzard that you know about the night before. Um, so it's very rare for that to happen. So it's always really tempting to not go to church because nobody will know that you go. Nobody will care. But I hear my own voice. Like, I, I tell people they need to go to church. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so I go. But the thing was, is because this circumstance happened right before the service. And even though it was Joy Sunday, I just could not focus the service was going on the hymns were being sung the scriptures were read the liturgy we went through it and there's a sermon and everything and i just could not focus and so i don't really remember much of the service to be honest now i have the bulletin in my in my car and i could go look at it and remind myself. I kind of have an idea as to what the scripture readings would, were. Because I'm a pastor. But the joy that I'm supposed to feel on Sunday morning. I didn't feel it. And and I imagine you know that experience. You came into church and it has nothing to do with what was going on church. It has nothing to do with the hymns. It has nothing to do with the liturgy. It has nothing to do with the sermon. But something's going on in your life. Something happened that morning or maybe that weekend or whatever. And you just can't focus. And who knows, maybe you're watching this right now and you can't focus uh, for whatever reason. And so I was on the way home and I was you know, driving back to Ida Grove from Chicago that night. And I, f I felt that guilt. I felt the weight of the guilt. And that I didn't feel that joy. Like why that I didn't. And yes, it's sin. It's, it is my sinful nature that cause for that to happen. There's no doubt about that. 
But the thought I started, but the thought of comfort came to my mind. In our text here, the you know we talked about these women who are barren. Sarah ended up having eyes giving birth to Isaac. Hannah gave birth to the prophet Samuel. Elizabeth is here in this text. She is pregnant with the one who would be known as John the Baptist. Now, I'm not going to tell you that if you're in that situation where your family or whatever is going on in your life, it's going to end up like this. I can't promise that. It might. You might get something really cool happen and that will relieve you from whatever it is that's weighing down you, keeping you from being joyous. That's may, that may happen. But see, that's not the point of this text. See, they are, she is pregnant. But what happens when this old woman who is pregnant, Mary, this 14-year-old girl, a virgin, greets, before she even greets Elizabeth, it says, it says actually, when she's greeted, it says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, what does it say? The baby. The baby of the one who was called barren leaped in her womb. Why? It's, she says it. Verse 43, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? See, the one who is in the womb of that 14-year-old girl, Mary, that is God, Yahweh. This is why at times people have referred to Mary as the Theotokos, which literally means God-bearer. This is not a confession as to who Mary is, but a confession as to who is in her womb. See, whether John leapt in the womb or would have leapt in the womb or not, he did, obviously. But whether or not he did, would have, what is in her womb is still God in the flesh. See, whether you are leaping for joy on a given Sunday morning or in this moment, or as you listen to this, God in the flesh was still in the womb of Mary. And you're going to hear on a week from tomorrow, December 24th, that eat at 2 o'clock or 6 o'clock, and you come for that Christmas Eve service, you're going to hear it again. That wondrous news, good news of great joy I bring you. Unto you was born this day, who is the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That is still true. That joyous news is still joyous, whether you are leaping for joy or not. And the truth, is, it still remains the truth that he would learn what it is like to be you. To experience the, much of the tribulation that you experience. He was abandoned. He was rejected by his fam some of his family, by his friends. He was humiliated. He was, sh he was shamed. I mean, he took on all shame, all forms of humiliation. He was beaten. He knows physical pain, emotional pain. He was... Abused physically, emotionally, even sexually. Because he was, he was naked when he went to the cross. He endured 
every type of torment known to mankind. He still died on the, and the thing is, so we do not have a savior who is unable to empathize with what you endure, what I've endured. But furthermore, he endured all of that in order to go to the cross. And whether you feel that leaping joy, it still remains true that he died on the cross for your sins. That your sin, even that's the sin that weighs your joy down, the sin that keeps you from embracing the wonder of the gospel, living in being immersed in that joy, even that sinfulness is forgiven in the blood of Jesus. Whether that emotion is strong or not, you are still forgiven. Whether you feel that strong emotion, you are still a child of God. You are still a son of God or daughter of God. It means that no matter what your mindset may be, no matter the condition in your family, even if you are in that state where you can't find a family, that you don't have the family that you wish you'd have, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he established a church. And he gave you brothers and sisters scattered throughout the world. He gave you a family scattered throughout this world. Now, does it completely take away the sting of the pains and the sorrows that come in this world? But it promises that it will come to an end. And you will make it through this darkness. Through this sorrow. You will shake off the shackles. I love that in the opening video, that Okamu Kami Manual, that's a video by this group called Koine. They're a Lutheran group that um, kind of brings a modern twist to some hymns. And they, get, they have some really good Lutheran hymns. Go check them out on YouTube or whatever. Uh, but I love that. And they, they're using those chains for like, you just heard that noise, you saw it. And then rejoice, rejoice as the shackles came off. Because that is true of all of us. That the shackle of our sin has come off in our baptism, in the proclamation of the word. Every time we receive the Lord's Supper, those shackles are broken off. And what is more, because we are baptized, you are a baptized child of God, your shackles are removed. And that means even the shackles of the weight of what this world tries to weigh us down, the weight of barrenness, the weight of broken family, the weight of stress, the weight of conflict or whatever it is that is weighing you down, those shackles are will be ultimately broken. And you can live in the joy, the comfort, the peace of Jesus. His, the joy, joy does not mean that you're always, yay! Joy means that in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of grief, in the midst of tribulation, 
you still know, hope, believe that it will come to an end and you will live forever in Christ's name. And so, yes, we rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel comes to you, O Israel, born of Mary. Comes to you, O Israel, in his word and in his sacraments. And he will come again, O Israel, O church of God, O child of God, O Christian, disciple of Christ. He will come to you again to break you free from the shackles of this dying world to bring you to his everlasting kingdom. Till that day comes, to him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. We continue with the Magnificat.